everybody to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host John Fitzpatrick, and joining me is my co-host Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Nothing much going on. It's been a quiet news week. I mean, we spent such a long episode last week, but it's, it's probably good that this one's going to be a little, a little shorter, a little more relaxed. A little more relaxed. Speaking of relaxed, for listeners out there, AKP and I, we actually hung out. Friday night, yeah, which was fun. Um, we were at the uh, Washington D.C. Youth Rugby 20th anniversary celebration slash fundraiser. A ton of people in and around the the D.C. community raising funds to to. I think it was I think the last I heard about eighteen thousand um, dollars have been raised for the the nonprofit again the free programming uh, rugby programming in D.C bunch of old glory dc players were there simon cross was there the owners of old glory dc it sounds like akp we might be lining up an interview with chris and paul that we're excited about that should be a lot of fun but yeah what did you think of uh, friday night i saw you knocking back a couple of drinks oh yeah well i was gonna get Letting my loose. money's worth <laughs> yeah yeah no it was great it was it's always fun to interact a little more with the community especially since you know i i don't really have that strong a connection to the dc rugby scene you know i'm a fan of old glory but you know having not played for any of the local teams there's i feel often feel like there's a there's a level of the the network that i'm sort of missing but it's so it's always fun to go to this and you know actually interact with people in person not just just online and obviously fun to hang out with you <laughs> what uh what players did you chat with og dc players did you chat with yeah, I got to talk to Jack Scarrow a little bit. Got to talk to um, Rob Harley. Um, yeah, he seemed he didn't realize he was the oldest player on the team until I mentioned it. So I feel a little bad about pointing that out. But I mean, the point was that he's pretty young to be the oldest player on the team. So sorry, sorry, Rob. Because he's only thirty. Yeah, he's only thirty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he seems to be, you know, it's fun having a player from Scotland in the D.C. area because normally we get, you know, those Argentinian players and the players from the hot parts of the world. And they're they're always complaining about the cold. And he was like, yeah, it's not really cold, is it? It's like it's not raining. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sunny. So, um, yeah, it was fun to, to talk to him. Um, also got to talk to Ishmael Shabazz. He was, he, he seems like he's going to, you know, he's one of those guys where it's like, you, you just don't really have a lot of information on him. You know, you can read some stuff online, but he hasn't played that much. And like, but he seems like he's, you know, really got a lot to prove and really uh, going to bring a lot to this team. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to see what he can do. And he also seems to be enjoying the DC area, which is, is good to hear. He, we we talked about how New York is overrated and DC is a better city. <laughs> so instantly he's winning in my book. Absolutely, check right there. Yeah, I got to uh, chat with Jack a little bit. Um, we just connect a little bit on the local connections. I grew up in the area. He went to high school at Gonzaga High School, where my dad went many 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 years before him. Um, but after talking with him, man, I walked away like fired up. Not only for Old Glory DC, but for the USA men's rugby team as well. So, like, I'm I was so fired up, AKP, about all the rugby that 
<laughs> even at my advanced age, and I'm approaching year 40 AKP. On Sunday, I ran out for the first time in a long time and played touch rugby with this group in Tacoma Park or Tacoma Tacoma Park. It's right on the DC Maryland line. I never know which one it is, even though I'm from the area, which is ridiculous. But it's a, it's a fun group, great vibe. Um, all skill levels went out there. The, the day was nice. I brought my oldest. We got to run around and play a little bit. That was fun. Still got a little bit of, still got a little bit of pep in the step. But AKP, I woke up Monday morning and all my muscles were sore and tight. I'm still feeling it today on Wednesday. But it was fun just to run around and feel like I still got it a little bit. Yeah, it's always tough when you go uh, a long period without doing that that much it's just like that level of physical activity you're still around you're still doing things but then but then you you push yourself a little and you're like oh yeah yeah this is what it's like and once you're no longer like 15 you don't recover in the same way you used to no not at all recovery is not like a couple hours or like a nap recovery is like two or three days a couple tylenols uh yeah but anywho more vegetables but anyway a lot of fun trying to get back into the swing of things again. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, enough about my plane. Let's talk a little bit Old Glory DC news. And we did have a couple conversations with some of the players that we mentioned, some of the stuff off the record that we won't share here. But AKP, as we're getting closer to the start of the season, well, what now? I think the second or third week. This might be the officially the third week now of, say, training camps. Yeah. Preseason games. We're hearing club MLR clubs mention preseason games. There's a couple coming up towards the end of the month here, and I know we chat a little bit about it. But are you getting a stronger sense that we're going to have some preseason games for fans to to be able to attend, or what's what what what's the inside what's the inside stuff there that you can that you can share? Yeah, it's sounding like we're not going to have preseason games this year. Which is, it's as a fan, definitely a bit of a disappointment. Like, those games at St. James were always, you know, really cracking. The atmosphere is always great because it's inside. It's, you know, it's only seats like 1,000, 2,000 fans or something. And so it you stuff a bunch of people in there and and it gets loud and, and fun. But from the sounds of it, um, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff is convinced about the benefits of those games and they do come with risks i mean you know we've got you know palema roberts back on the the roster this year but you know the reason that he was drafted and then didn't appear in a single game for two years is because he got injured in a preseason game and that you know there's there's that risk that's happened every time we've had preseason games there's always guys who get injured and you know, miss the start of the season or, you know, miss the whole season. And that, you know, if the coaching staff doesn't think that they're going to, to get a benefit out of it, then then that's, that. you know, is it worth worth doing it? I think it would be fun if the, the team did something for mm-hmm. fans, for, you know, season ticket holders especially, even if it was just an, an inter-team scrimmage, um, or or something like that. You'd, like an open open practice. Come, yeah. See a practice for a little bit, even if it's not revealing too much, because who knows who who knows may come attend it. But just a chance to, to see the squad, maybe meet some of the players afterwards or something like that. Yeah, and, and come yeah. enjoy something with the with the team because it, it they they always were were great events. But 
you know, that's that's for the the coaching staff. I would I would take not having those preseason games if it means that we've got a a fitter, healthier yeah. team going into the season. You know, I think last year with with Josh Sims, you know, he was coming in as an, a new coach. He was hired fairly late in the the cycle, so to speak. So he didn't necessarily know what he was he was getting his hands on ta- talent wise and we heard from the players after you know that he everything was up for grabs all the positions you know there were no fixed starters even for those preseason games and for those first few games and so he was trying to figure out who was good and who was not who did he like the look of and and who was who he was going to play and so when you think about the preseason games from that perspective it was probably very valuable for him to to have those preseason games, see people, see these player, the players in a, a game format, and and get a sense of who they are. But you know, if Simon Cross doesn't feel like he needs that, then that's that's fair. Then you know, no reason to put the players you know in harm's way. No need to reveal anything about your players or you know, especially your new players, how you're likely to play. You know, there's always that that risk of you know teams having a bit of a head start on on how you play and what you want to be and so it is what it is basically well you know it's funny because um simon cross the oglory dc head coach gave a little talk um at the the oglory at the excuse me washington dc youth rugby fundraiser and he talked a little bit about you know his plan and how he wants to do thing and in, in Washington, and he talked very much about developing the American player, which you know was I, you know I perked up when he said that. So I'm I'm excited to see how everything is coming together, and I agree completely. Look, if if there's too much injury risk in a, in a preseason game, particularly you know on a field or a venue that isn't quite really for rugby, right? Like rugby should be played on grass outdoors. Then let's not risk someone getting injured right and that just means hey week one on the road against nola like rock up boys like it's 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 coming because week two you've got new england on the road right so um right into the fire but i think that's to be expected this year with with two teams dropping out and miami looking like a strong team and you know we're not new england we don't have the uh, the fortune of of starting and ending the season against uh, a, a very young squad shot at the free jacks there uh, by the way, side note, real quick. <clears throat> Jack's Ranger Show, you're probably not listening to this, but I've been seeing on social, you've been giving the San Diego Legion crap about not scheduling uh, a home match for you guys. Do you understand that San Diego Legion do not put the schedule together for Major League Rugby? It's Major League Rugby. It's not like San Diego's trying to avoid playing you at your place. If you have a beef, talk with Major League Rugby. But they seem to be overlooking the fact that they start and end their season against Anthem Rugby. I mean, for defending MLR champions, I got to say that's a pretty nice way to to start and end the season. So done with my rant. So, anyway, <laughs> sorry. It's a fair point. Uh, I mean, can we really expect uh, well reasoned common sense from people who support the Free Jacks? I mean, <laughs> and look, I. I I like the ownership at the Free Jacks. They're doing everything right. Like they're, they've got great stuff. They're festival. Yeah, but we need rivalry. Like, yeah, we need some rivalry. Screw the Free Jacks. That's right. Screw the Free Jacks. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Moving, moving away from that. And since we had just brought up the anthem 
Rugby Carolina or, or Anthem for short. Uh, they finally made it official in terms of releasing the coaching staff and the roster. So we're starting to get uh, it's real, right? Like the the head coach is uh, the current USA Men's Eagles attack coach, Alama Iramia Iramaya. I never would know which way to say it, um, but it just confirms that. Um, and this is just off the news, right? That uh, USA Rugby uh, officially removed the interim tag from Scott Lawrence, so head coach officially, and then also um, uh, general manager of the 15s program, right? So Scott will be involved. He's not going to be the head coach. So now we know who the head coach is, and now we know who some of the players are. Actually, not some of the players. We know who all of the players are on this team. And AKP, it is definitely a young roster. Um, there are only two players on the squad who are capped by the Eagles. One's in 15s, and that's Jake Turnbull, who's 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 played with all the Austin Gilgronies. He's played with the Seattle Seawolves, Lucette Prop, um, and then David Still, sevens player, who is now who originally started, I want to say, with the Raptors, did the sevens program. I like David Still a lot. Like I think he's a beast, and now he's back. I think with 15s, if I have that right, but. If you look at this roster, man, it is definitely on the young side. Are there, and there's a there was a player or two from Old Glory DC ride who who got captured. I guess is the word if you want to put it. But give me your thoughts on on some of the players on this roster. Yeah, there's actually, um, you know, there's. Uh... It's worth noting that Jake Turnbull actually also played for Old Glory for for one season good point. in 2020. Yeah, good point. He was there for. Um, it's it's sort of funny to me that he's actually a, you know, really a pretty good player these days, um, because when he when he played for us, that was the year that our scrum was an absolute disaster. But but these days he's he's doing pretty well. So, you know, it, it's good to see. Um, it really I like that it's such a young squad it does make me a little concerned that they're just going to get destroyed week in and week out and there's not that's not necessarily a problem but i think when your goal playing to to just get sort of any points on the board to keep it even moderately close it's a completely different style of playing to when you're playing to win or when you're playing to in you know in a competitive close match where you're you're trying to you know balance attack and defense and you're I don't know that it's necessarily great for a team to to be losing you know 50 to 10 every week and I think we sort of saw this with the jackals like the jackals even even when they started to look promising they just had the wrong game style they needed to calm down a bit and and play a more more sensible form of rugby but because they were so used to losing they were just in this mindset of just throw everything in the wall and so i hope that the coaches can can keep these guys on track and get them to win a few games ideally it's going to be cool to see logan widener yeah (laughs) playing for the for the team i mean i wish he was playing for old glory but it's 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 cool that he'll get a, a shot there i think he's a really promising player how about a uh, how about Jack Manzo popping up, right? Yeah. He was drafted by Old Glory DC, and then of course, um, you know whatever happened two years ago. Uh, he went to pursue a Old master's Glory. program in Ireland, 
and right. was playing in right. the Irish domestic league for a little while and is now back, which is cool for him. Yeah. Well, and that and that led to Old Glory doing a trade with San Diego to get Koi Koi Nelligan. Um, so cool to see Jack back in, in MLR. Um, but yeah, a couple of names there just with the connection to Old Glory DC, fun to, fun to point out. But yeah, I mean, the, the project begins, right? Like this is a young developing side. These players are going to get a ton of playing experience. And to your point a couple episodes ago about, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more loans and what I mean like in-season loans right um where we might see and just just let's 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 talk old glory for a second like a guy like Mike Weir right who would love to see him get more MLR playing experience if unfortunately there is a couple of injuries in the fly half room for Anthem you know I gotta imagine Mike is probably on a short list of players identified where Anthem might say, Hey, we, we need some, we need someone here. Right. So I, 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 I imagine while we have the roster, it's probably not completely settled yet. And because it's such a new experiment, we may see some of these more of these in season loans, which is kind of interesting and, and exciting. Um, and I got to think a guy like Max Schumacher, right. Fly half fullback for the Houston Sabercats. We'll see how things go down there. That's a packed, you know, number 10 jersey there with some quality fly halves down there playing in Houston that you could maybe see Max. Could there be an in-season loan to to the Anthem? Who knows? I guess what I'm saying is be prepared for the potential of something like that happening, given that this fluid and wild, I shouldn't say wild, but just this refreshing take on trying to develop talent here in the U.S., like we could see some more player movement as the season gets going. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good roster overall, and you got a few, a few foreign players in there who should really contribute quite a bit. I mean, Tarangatira Waitukia, who played for Rugby ATL and like was really good for them. Like he should should bring in quite a bit of experience. They've got a really, a really good uh, prop from Tonga, who should be able to. I can't remember his name. I'm trying to find it in this list, but. Uh, you know, he should... Oh. Joe Apikotoa. He should be... You know, he's played played for New Zealand, played in Super Rugby. He should bring in a lot of experience there. And I think, you know, having those those key guys who aren't who aren't US eligible, but but bring in a lot of experience, I think I think it'll be good. And honestly, to help shore up the squad and hopefully let them win a few games that that should help a lot yeah there's there's one player on the list that um i really like and maybe this is not an, a fair comparison but maybe this is like the the path for the type of player he could become and that's junior gaffa who was who was drafted by um the new england free jacks he was a a brown football player and a pretty solid football player uh at that who uh played I guess is making the transition or made the transition over uh, to rugby. But the comparison here is he's kind of got that build and maybe because it's the football and maybe the similar position linebacker, fullback, I think or running back, but like Paul Asike, like yeah. that's a player. When I think of like junior Gaffa's his, his project or like what he could aspire to, if he can get close to the level of like a Paul Asike, that's a win for 
for everybody, you know, and if he sticks around, if he gets a loan back to New England, that's going to be scary to see that guy rampaging uh, in a couple of years. But it's just a player that, you know, if you're thinking bigger picture outside of MLR, just excited to see how he may develop um, potentially for for the men's Eagles. So, yeah, like project, I don't know if project players is the right phrase, but like excited to see how these players are, are going to come along. And I don't want to say they're going to get run out of the park because I don't think that's fair. But to your point about like an MLR team playing to win a game because they want to qualify for the playoffs versus the anthem, where are they developing talent in certain situations? Are they trying to get the win? And of course, they're not going to say we're, we don't want to win the game, right? Like, obviously, they're going to want to win the game. But I feel like there's different dynamics in, in play here uh, a little bit that I just some of that stuff... I don't have a good grasp on, and I don't. Maybe they do, but um, don't want to see them go. You know, lose zero games and just be wildly out of all of the games because I don't think that's going to be fair. The best, yeah. I, I think I just they'll be competitive the in at least a couple of games. I mean, I don't think they're going to get destroyed every game. I think they will get destroyed in a few games. They're going to come across some good teams that are just going to, you know, absolutely wipe them out. But I, I think there are also going to be a good number of games where they're in it. But they're going to, I think they're going to struggle to to win games. I think there's going to be a lot of games where, you know, just the experience and put togetherness isn't really a word, but of other teams is just going to win out and they're going to end up losing a good number of games by, you know, one score. Where they where they feel like you know you look at the score and you're like they should be able to win that but then you know they just can't quite finish it, sort of like the Jackals yeah. in their first year. And the the other thing to consider too is just the lineups that their opponents are going to put out, right? True. And not that they're going to treat the game as like a, as a a B side game, right? But like, will the other clubs? move some pieces around you know towards the middle and the end of the season rest some players give some guys a couple more minutes like there's probably going to be some of those chess moves taking place too which could maybe help not that the opponents are going to want anthem to win that's not what i'm suggesting at all but we've seen in a couple of games particularly last year right when old glory played houston that game didn't matter in the grand scheme of things for Old Glory's playoff chances, right? Because they were resting because they had the big game against Atlanta the following week, which they won to, to get to the playoffs for the first time and obviously knock off New York for the first playoff win. But we're going to see situations like that where teams are going to move some pieces around because the outcome or the result doesn't factor too much into the grand scheme of making playoffs that, who knows, that's a game or games that the Anthem could could come out ahead of so yeah so we'll see on that i think those first few games i mean obviously i don't think anyone's going to hold it against them how they do against the free jacks but then they've got nola gold after that and then they have the dallas jackals and i think those games you know how they perform in those games is really going to set a tone and that's going to determine a lot of you know the sort of rosters that the sort of game day lineups that teams field against them for sure right because nola gold could could He's playing Anthem starting 0-1, right? Yeah. You know, the opening week they lose to Old Glory DC. They're all of a sudden they're 0-1. They're not going to go 0-2 losing to the Anthem. I don't have the Dallas Jackals schedule in front of me right now, but if they're sitting 0-2 going up against the Anthem, 
there's no way in hell are they going to want to lose to Dallas and start 0-3 yeah. and start digging out of that hole. So You know, if Anthem is competitive in those games, even though those teams are, are really trying and putting in the effort, then I think that's going to scare teams off of fielding and B-side, like you say. But if, they, if they're just, you know, getting wiped out in those games, and especially the Jackals, who have just struggled to... <laughs> You know they've they've won like three games total their entire rook time in MLR. So so if they sh- if they struggle a lot against the Jackals, then everyone's going to probably not take them quite as seriously and feel field more of a B side. You know the sort of side where they think we can still win comfortably, yeah. but also get a chance for some of our younger players. So we got a sense of how they'll play on the field. My next question to you is, how do you think they will look? And what I mean by that is give me your thoughts on Anthem's jerseys. Those got released a couple of days ago. Kappa and Major League Rugby put them out. Um, AKP, your thoughts on their jerseys, home and away? I think they look good, yeah. No, I mean, it's they're not the world's most you know shockingly creative jerseys, but I sort of prefer that in some ways. I like that it's, it's basically a solid color, a little bit of design. I think the stars look, you know, they fit. I'm not a huge fan of star patterns in general, but they fit so well with what that team is supposed to be that, yeah, I think it's I think it's good. I don't think I don't have any objections. You have a lot of stars running around in that that Dallas Jackals versus the Anthem game week three. A lot of yeah. a lot of stars. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, and I didn't pick up on this until they released the jerseys and they put it out, but in the Anthem in the A, there were three stripes. Um, I guess it, it symbolizes the collaboration between Major League Rugby, USA Rugby, and World Rugby. When I first saw the logo, and again, this is before the jerseys came out, I thought the way the, the stripes, it kind of looked like the, like guitar strings, like the, mm. like the neck of a guitar. And I thought the, yeah. the anthem was a music thing, but apparently no, that symbolized um, the collaboration between the three organiza- organizations that brought this together. But I thought that was kind of a, a neat little note. And again, I think the jerseys look pretty good. I, I, I I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a swing and miss. I don't think it's a home run. I think it's a good solid. Looks good. Looks. Yeah. We'll see how it looks when they run out. That's always the test because you see these pictures and they just never do justice to what the jerseys actually look like on the field. Almost always, the jerseys on the field look better. Yeah. Than, and, than these pictures. And look for all of these except for the free jacks. We haven't really seen the complete look. We haven't seen the socks. I don't think for most of these uniforms True. and that really can really tie it all together if the color is off or if the stripes look funny so socks are important i gotta i gotta know what this full thing looks like with the socks so you know we'll see absolutely <laughs> anyway moving on a couple other news and notes from around the league um a couple episodes ago we talked about how we congratulated old glory dc for being one of a couple of teams to put out a graphic that showed their entire season roster um and the utah warriors they must have been listening to our podcast so thanks to all the folks in utah for listening but they put out their roster it's tongue-in-cheek of course but they put out their roster uh again i like that idea right ahead of the season even though we know most of the players that have been released because they like to put it out one by one love to just kind of have one image that shows who all the players are on the team so kudos to utah for putting that out, but uh, they also, uh, I don't know if it became official or not, or America's Rugby News just shared it, but Chris Latham has joined 
uh, the Utah Warriors coaching st- – I'm sorry, not the Utah Warriors, excuse me, the Seattle Seawolves coaching staff. I almost said the Utah Warriors. He used to coach the Utah Warriors a few years ago, if I have that correctly. Um, he's back in the league coaching Utah. A pretty big name, interesting interesting name to join the coaching staff there. And AKP, any, any thoughts on that? Not really beyond, uh, I do like that Utah has released their full roster. There are some new names on there that, that I don't recognize, so it's always, I mean, that's true of every MLR team. It's always sort of surprising that MLR teams are as consistent as they are in some ways because they change so much every off season. but they still manage to have a style. So we'll see if that's still true of Utah, if they, they still have that sort of really fun, explosive, crazy rugby style. I hope so, because they've always been sort of one of my favorite teams in, in a lot of ways. They've always just been so much fun to watch. Every time Oglory and Utah play, it uh, seems like it always comes down to the wire. Do you remember a couple of years ago, some of those like last-minute tries yeah. to literally win the game? Like, wild stuff. So every time they get together and play, whether it's here in the D.C. area or out there in, in Utah, it's always fun to watch because that game is never over until you never know who's going to win until the very end. Exciting stuff. Hard on yeah. the blood pressure, but good stuff all around. It's true. <laughs> it, there was that one season where Utah was winning every game in, in the like the final couple of minutes and, you know, they were, they'd be down and then they'd just, they'd just score that final try to, to take it to the end and Mikey, I can't imagine Mikey Teo and, and Crusade at the time just like yeah, yeah 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 when that partnership was really clicking on all cylinders and like being a fan of Utah at that time must have been tough certainly probably not recommended by doctors around the country I'm sure the doctors were like no stop stay away <laughs> this is not good for you <laughs> um, that's good stuff AKP, moving on, a couple of things here I just want to point out. Uh, I thought this was interesting because there's a little bit of rumor or chatter. I saw a link about there's potentially a a thought of Super Rugby trying to base a team here in the United States of America. Kind of unclear when it would happen and necessarily where, if it would be based in Hawaii or if it would actually be part of the, you know, the, not Alaska or, or Hawaii. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, is is that just too crazy? Is it going to take away? There's so many thoughts here, but what are you thinking? Yeah. So I think in the past we've sort of seen we've seen one-off events and I think those don't tend to do super well. One-off events in the U S they're like U S market. Let's just hold host one-off event. And I think it, you know, unless you advertise it, it a ton and really put a ton of effort into making sure everyone knows it's happening and you can, or if it's something like the all blacks who just advertise themselves, but you know, super rugby, no one thinks about super rugby. You know, unless you know about rugby, you probably don't know about super rugby. And so, you know, whereas the casual name recognition for the All Blacks is much, much higher. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're going to base a team here, maybe you can get around that because you're playing a regular schedule, presumably. You've got 
you can connect to the local community but i sort of you know how connected are you going to be with a team that you know is playing mostly australian and new zealand teams and the fijians i have heard though that the the team is going to be based that they're what they're going to do is move moana pacifica to hawaii which would that actually would make some sense because moana pacifica right now they play out of auckland Mm -hmm. so in new zealand but their intent is to be a team for the pacific islands you know fiji has their own team in the fijian drua but moana pacifica is supposed to be so basically samoa tonga Mm -hmm. and the the other the other pacific islands and hawaii pacific islands are are counted in that so it might make sense to and be interesting and fun and different to put a team in hawaii they're you know it's the closest part of the u.s to you know you actually can get flights from hawaii to those parts you don't have to like or certainly they could arrange something it's not no it could be i gotta stop you right there stop like hawaii is part of the u.s i love it they're the 50th state right uh it is a nine-hour flight from Los An- right from Los Angeles to Hawaii. Maybe it's seven hours. I don't know. It's That's absurdly a long, long. Yeah. I'm all for Super Rugby expanding beyond Australia, New Zealand, and I love that Fiji has an official team. Right. For the Moana Pacifica to be based not in New Zealand, put them in like they really want to develop the Pacific Islands. Put them in Tonga. Like get tonga going or something like that or, or, or truly samoa right like i get that yeah. the uh, hawaii is part of the u.s and yes it is because it's a state but it is so far removed from most of the rugby fans in the u.s because they don't live in hawaii right like and the time zones yes. are still so far off that just it be- wouldn't I, be a great way of getting yeah a u.s audience if your goal yeah. is to break into the u.s audience i don't think it makes sense if your goal is to break into the hawaiian audience which when you think about hawaii i mean it's it's a fairly fairly well populated and populated with wealthy people relatively speaking you know hawaii's got to be some of the richest pacific islands that are there so you know maybe the goal is just to to pull in that market and to give you know, it feels a bit weird that a Pacific Island team is not actually based in the Pacific Islands. And they I know they've played one or two games in Samoa. Maybe you get some of the games are in Hawaii and then, you know, they play a couple games in, in Samoa and Tonga to, to try and build it up there. I mean, there's also just the economics of it, though. I mean, you think about a super rugby team, you want, you need people to spend money on yep. the team. Yeah, it's true. Paying for tickets, paying for merch. and it's true. You know, Samoa, Tonga, not the wealthiest countries in the world. And that could be, you know, that could be a, a make it a struggle to maintain that team, especially the amount of traveling they're going to have to do. Can't be cheap to, to be a super rugby team. So I, I don't think it's crazy to put a team in Hawaii, to put, to move Moana Pacifica to Hawaii. I think in general, trying to break into the U.S. market, I think, it's the sort of thing that people think is a good idea because they live in other countries where that are much, much smaller and have much closer interactions with the countries around them. In the U.S., 
we don't interact with other countries that much. Our sports are domestic sports leagues with the Canada. We add in Canada sometimes and, you know, NHL and and that sort of stuff. But for the most part, if it's not if it's not in the U.S. or Canada, we really don't care. And we don't think about that sort of thing. You add in, you know, a franchise in an international league and it's not going to click with the U.S mindset because we don't think about the rest of the world in that way like we've got our own stuff and we do we do our own thing and partly that's because the rest of the world is pretty far away but it's also just you know if you're in europe yeah it makes sense you can drive to another country within you know in less time than it takes me to drive to another state of course you're going to be involved in international competitions of course the top level competitions are going to be for the whole continent in the u.s we can have a top-level competition for the whole continent that covers just us and, like, maybe Canada. So it's, I think it's, it strikes me that it's probably a bunch of people who are not experts in the U.S. market, who don't really understand how U.S. sports work, just dreaming, like, oh, the U.S. is a wealthy country, how about we try and pull them in? And I think, I think that this would probably fail just because those people don't understand what they're doing. And that, you know, regardless of whether it could be a good idea or not, I think I remain skeptical of any any expansion or attempt to, like, insert foreign leagues into the, the U.S. All right, AKB, okay, so here's the next one then. There's some, some links that have been going around about how the organizers of the Champions Cup are contemplating potentially putting, say, the Champions Cup final, I think in like maybe as early as 2027 or 2028, in the U.S. What do you think of that? I think it's silly. <laughs> I, I mean, again, like with the right advertising, put it in the right place, you know, put it in Chicago, put it in Snapdragon Stadium. I'm, I'm sure you could get a good number of people out to it but it's also i object to that on a different level like i would not want if old glory is going to be playing a a in a finals i don't want them to be playing in a finals on a different continent where it's going to cost me a ridiculous amount of money to get to it like you know if they were in the finals this year it's bad enough that it's going to be in san diego but at least i can get to san diego it's in the same country it's i have a chance of attending that game as a fan if you take you know, if you're a Champions Cup, you know, a fan of a team that's in the Champions Cup, and then, oh, we're going to put that game on a different continent. Good luck in, getting in to the it US. As a fan. Yeah, we're going to put it in the U.S. Like, have fun. Like, what? <laughs> Why? We already it have seems... we already have enough countries pissed off at us for whatever reason, foreign policy related or whatever, trade, exactly. whatever. We've got a contentious election coming up. <laughs> hey, let's let's put the final of the Champions Cup in the U.S. If you're a European rugby fan, you're like, why the F are we going to the U.S.? Do they play rugby yeah. over there? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels like you're rewarding some random, random population with a, a top-level rugby game and you know the f the fan bases that have supported those teams the whole time. What do they get? A yeah. very expensive trip. Yeah. It just seems dumb. I don't. It's just a money grab. It annoys me. But is it really a money grab? Like, wh where are the where's ticket That's sales? The did, did, they, did you know? Like, it just These it doesn't seem like don't a, work that well. Yeah. You know, and I get like World Rugby is like trying to do everything they can to like really drum up interest and 
big international rugby events in the, in the U.S. ahead of the Rugby World Cup as like a as a test or a measuring stick to measure progress. But it just seems like that doesn't. I don't know if that's the best plan for it. Yeah, Whereas, if they like, want to do that, they should just have the U.S. play more tests in the U.S. and play them in a variety of different cities. Yep. You know, take a bunch of the biff. You know, make sure that every year between now and the 2031 World Cup, they're playing an international test in, you know, San Diego, Chicago, D.C., New York, pick your other, and and one other city, you know, every year. Have an international test in every one of those and make sure it's in a big stadium or, you know, a reasonably sized stadium, well advertised. Like, you want to drum up interest, like, tie it in like make sure it's going to these places don't just throw some random champions cup AKP, that plan is so simple yet it makes so much sense like can that it be costs the plan money is the only problem that's well, got a ton of money. Rugby wants on. to promote it like just call it a marketing expense like that's how you do it I, commit I mean, if you're gonna do it commit and don't yeah. just throw some random champions cup final yeah yeah the 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 average American who has some passing reference to rugby, do they know who Stade Toulouson is? Like, do they care? Do they care who Linster is? No, they don't. Like to them, what? 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 That doesn't. That doesn't mean yeah. anything. I probably didn't even pronounce it correctly. But anyway. Anyway, all right. Um, your plan is so simple that, and it makes so much sense. It's. It's too simple. That's why I guess it can't work because it has to be complex because everything in, in rugby these days yeah. has to be complex. <laughs> Anywho, AKP, let's move on. <sighs> We've got round two of the Six Nations coming up. Closing segment here. First, your boys, man. Oh, boy. They almost coughed it up to Italy, of course, they your didn't. boys being England. Um, they really didn't almost cough it up. I saw some comments about that online. It, Italy played well. They were They were dynamic. And England was rusty, but England was in control of that game the whole time. Yeah. You know, there was a there was a brief bit where Italy was matching them, and then it turned out that England was actually the better team the whole time. And you know, it, the scoreboard looked close, but it it was not as close a game as as it made that seem. Do you feel like George Ford gets um gets criticized too much? I mean, does, do people just not like his playing style? Is that the issue? The guy just seems I to mean, put up points. English rugby fans will complain about anyone <laughs> for any reason. There's a handful of people they like and will never complain about, but even then, they usually complain about. I mean, you get, yeah, it it doesn't really matter. I think he's I think he's decent. I mean, I can see if you want someone more dynamic and more exciting. But that's really you just want England to play a different style of rugby, and that's that's fine. I think George Ford really fits pretty well with the style of rugby we play, and I've got got no real objections. All right, so week two, Scotland, France, Saturday morning, nine fifteen a.m. kickoff, Eastern Standard Time. That's going to be kind of a fun one. Scotland played well in the first half, and then almost almost blew it against Wales. Wales. Uh, stormed back and almost got that at the end. Uh, France missing a player. Scotland, I think, is now losing a couple players, Richie Gray and Luke Crosby. Interesting to see how that goes. England-Wales. This might be a little bit closer. And if I'm an English fan, I might be a little nervous because Wales, first of all, they got down by a lot. And maybe Scotland just came flying out of the gate there. But 
that young, relatively inexperienced Welsh squad just battled back in the second half. And if they can play like that against England, AKP, are you nervous? I'm not super nervous. I do think Wales has a chance to win, but I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm concerned because I think I think Wales is going to get close to winning a lot of games because they've got the exciting firepower, but that game was a mess like yeah. overall. And I think I don't think England is going to give quite as many opportunities as Scotland gave to to make things happen. Certainly, as they knock the rust off and they they f- refine their form, so I I think England wins. Okay, Ireland versus Italy. <laughs> I don't think Italy Italy will put up a little bit of a fight. Ireland has no business dropping this one. So my question to you then, AKP, is the Six Nations Ireland's to lose this year? Can we call it this uh, early? I don't think we can call it quite this early. I think I would definitely, you know, now that they've beaten France, that really puts them in the sort of pole position. But I don't know that, I don't know, I wouldn't call it. Because I wasn't impressed with Scotland, but they do have a chance. And if they can can sort of figure themselves out. And England hasn't lost yet. They've only played Italy, of course. We'll see how they do against Wales, but... But, you know, they're in it until they're in it. And I don't, and especially considering how far they got into the World Cup, despite everyone, despite no one being impressed with them, I think it's hard to, it's hard to, to count them out definitively. Follow-up question. Does Ireland win the Grand Slam? I don't think they do win the Grand Slam. So that means they lose to either England or Wales? England? England, Scotland? Scotland, or Wales. Yeah. If yeah. You, okay. Who's going to beat Ireland? I think I think they... I don't know, but I think they drop one of those. Okay. Okay. I don't think they win all of them. No, AKP, I want a definitive answer from you. Who is Ireland going to lose to in this year's Six Nations? See... No, see... <laughs> I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I do the probabilities. And one of the things about the probabilities is that you can say, sure, they might be favored to win in all of those games. But, you know, if you... It's like if I had a... I gave you a, a die. You know, a dice. Give you dice. And I said, okay, so roll the die. And, you know, if it comes up as a five or a six, then then Ireland loses for each of those games. Now... You roll the die once, you're most likely going to land one through four. There's a 66% chance. But you roll that dice three times, the chances that you win all of those games, that it's one through four every time, is actually under 50%. You're more likely to lose at least one of those games. So I don't know which one they're going to lose. but The chances, I think, are pretty good that they drop at least one of those games. Okay. Okay. I'll take the other side. I say Ireland wins the Grand Slam, and we'll find out. It's certainly possible, and if anything, they've got the advantage that they're probably the most consistent team in the entire world right now. They're the ones playing. They never play terrible rugby. They they don't. I don't think they're ever the best team in the world. There's always someone playing better rugby than them, but it's always a different team, and so you know they're sort of they've got that going for them. If if no one if no one is 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 feeling themselves and having a great moment 
against them, then they, they will probably be everyone. All right, one more question. You're, picture yourself. You're an Irish rugby fan. Would you take a, a, a Grand Slam or getting to the semifinals of a World Cup? <laughs> oh, I mean, what do you think? World Cup anytime. <laughs> Just get past the quarterfinal. Anyway. <laughs> be like as a Lions fan. It's like, would you take getting to the Super Bowl? If it meant that the next five years were just a complete disaster, it's like, yeah, of course. First ever Super Bowl, I'd take that. I'd give up anything. Good stuff. Good stuff, AKP. I love it. All right, folks. That does it for this episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. If you're a gambling man and you want to take AKP's uh, probability into play. You're betting against Ireland winning the Grand Slam. He wouldn't say who's going to beat this Ireland. This is not financial advice. I am not a financial <laughs> advisor. I have not actually run any numbers. He won't say it, but I'll say it for him. He thinks England's going to beat Ireland, but when we get to that game, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But anywho, for my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, I'm John Fitzpatrick. You've been listening to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you next week where uh, we may have uh, an interview with the owners of Old Glory DC. So stay tuned for more on that. Catch you next time.